Set down your sleepy water and your Mr. Whistle. Take off that raincoat and grab a cold beer. It's time to have a real talk about pediatric dentistry. You're listening to Bruise and Tiny Teeth, the unfiltered pediatric dentistry podcast. So which one of these are we gonna? Because I said I can't, this? I can't hammer this whole stack here because I've got a four. Oh, you flight. can. But I can dabble. But I won't let you. You won't let me. Well, maybe. You know, a beer is good when it comes with this little like wiry shindig on top. When you got a fancy. Do you want paper or plastic? Paper. We don't have glass here, so we're gonna make do. I'll do the hotel coffee cup. Oh, you do actually legitimately have plastic. Yeah, paper or plastic. All right, let's do one of these. What is this? An IPA? An IPA. Locally sourced. Locally sourced. Monkish. Bomb atomically. All right. Torrance, California. We just went to uh, the whiskey. Was it the whiskey house? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, Phenomenal, uh, right? You, did you check it out? Oh, yeah. 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 Dude, it's incredible. First it's like, stop without yeah. the kids. Yep. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> kept saying, you're like, well, not you, but like three or four people. Like, oh, you got to go check out the whiskey house. Oh, whiskey house is phenomenal. Dude, it's like the walls on walls on Old walls just filled out. Old-fashioned is what you got? Yep. Yeah, we all got yeah. a different one. Like, Bryce got one that had coffee in it. It was awesome. With coffee? Yeah, it was like a coffee. I almost got a peanut butter, but I was like, no, nah, I got to stick to something a little more, like, traditional. 4 a.m. wake-up call. That's the 4 a.m., so it's like early. I got to pace myself. Plus, you know, these conferences, it's like I feel like you go all day without actually drinking water. Which yeah. needs water, but yeah. So it's like it's mostly alcohol. Mostly alcohol coffee. and coffee in the yeah. mornings. And then like it was funny, like yesterday at the conference at about like four PM, there was like a not even that late, three, two. I started seeing people with like beers walking around and like it's begun. <laughs> like the welcome party started early. It's been good. Dude, I thought it was cool today. Uh I was telling Jenna this, but when I was talking to Tim Richardson and then I saw you walk over, it was like Elon Musk. And freaking Steve Jobs walked into a bar to get, or like, or like, uh, who's the Facebook guy? Like the two tech giants. And I was like, I just like, hey, Elon, like, meet, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos. And then you just put them together. Like, just the two. That the, was me introducing you two, right? Yeah, well, no, it's just like, I, you, I just, you two are the guys I know that have like, are the most like aggressive with growth and startup. And I was like, I was expecting some big grandeur moment. And you're just like, oh, hey, man, like, how's your startup? Like, oh, it's good. It's like, oh, they're both regular people. Like, <laughs> it's always that way, right? It, yeah, it's not yeah. like rainbows. It was not as fireworks. crazy yeah, as I was expecting it. But it was. Um, but I'm glad I got to, like, like introduce you guys because you guys have a lot in common, which is cool. No, it was awesome just to totally meet totally different, guy. like, geographical, like, different geographical locations. But, yeah. So how are things going? Good. It's good. Doing well. Yeah. yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. You're a top secret startup uh, offices in the works that are to be determined <laughs> that will that will get Is that updates on it later. I don't know. I think last night at some point in the welcome reception it was like very I don't cryptic. know. Very cryptic like but that's how it is, you know. It's like you don't want to say things too early when you're like in a startup phase cuz it's like there's like non-disclosures and there's things still getting worked out so you don't want to like, you know, put the cart before the ox or whatever the saying is, you know, you got to make sure everything's dialed in. So but. always working on something. I don't know if it's yeah, out yeah. of like, am I bored? Like, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's personality type. It's like, I feel like it's a it's some people's brains, and I'm a little bit like that. But I'm always thinking like, okay, what next? But that's like, if my current practice, it was like, or like, okay, my career. So it's like, getting to dental school. Okay, check. Like, getting to peds residency. Check. Like, pass oral boards. Check. Like, get a job. Check. Start a practice. Check. 
and I don't really have anything left to check. So, so now, what's now, next? So now I'm just like retire. I don't know. I mean, that's a good point. That that could be what it is. Like, yeah. what is next? I just can't stop. Like, yeah. you'll be satisfied. Your with brain's just stop, wired right? differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, my brain's like, okay, like financial independence and retiring potentially early, maybe. But like, and but now I'm trying. Like, that's obviously not like practical because I've only been doing this like a few years. So it's like, okay, like how can I become more like. Um, see this number of patients check or like um, like open this new chair check like you know like it becomes smaller goals because like that's so but I don't have any I can see how it becomes convenient to be like okay like open another office or open a satellite or get an associate like those become the next boxes you check it's just like where you draw that line of checking boxes yeah that's a good point but yeah we might get there I just hired a hygienist she starts oh congrats so that'd be cool that's awesome it's just like I find I spend a lot of time um, scaling and doing like oral hygiene instruction and stuff and like things that I could delegate. But in the like, summer, it's huge. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Like some of the older kids, so. And I don't know, like, you ever find that like your assistants will like scale, not scale, but like um, chrono polish clean, but then like, you know, they'll miss like buckles of three and 14. Like that's a big one. And even, yeah. you know, nobody's gonna just be as anal about it as you are as the dentist. You yeah. notice those things. So I'm hoping, and I feel like I pick up the Profi Cup more often and you know, I, to their credit, like a lot of these kids come in looking horrendous and they look 95% better and you just see the 5% that's left right. and then I'm like overly hard on them. But still like I'm hoping a hygienist can come and like make it so like I don't have to like pick up anything. I can just do my mirror exam, shout it out, like boom, we move on to the next kid. It really is nice. Yeah. Do you have a hygienist that works for you? In one of our offices, yeah. Yeah. Has it worked? Yeah. Tell me about it. Has it worked out? It's like, worked out well. I mean, to your point, you go do your check. There's no scaling. There's the hygiene's great. Yep, looks good. Whereas in my other office, no hygienist, I got to scale mm-hmm. and get that 5% of plaque. Yeah, that lasts a little bit. Do, um, does your hygienist like do local for you and stuff? Nah. No. No. Nah. Not there yet. Not there yet. I yeah. thought about like, you know, at the beginning of my day, if there's like some older kid ops where I'm just doing, you know, like eight and older and maybe I've had them for a quad before or something and I know, okay, this kid's like a rock star. He's great. Like I could go through like, okay, this kid, this kid, this kid. Like these would want be ones you could go and do local. Like this kid, I want like a lido block on because we're doing big whatever. And then the, these ones could be septo infiltrations, and then like start there and see how it goes. But like, I also understand like that's a huge part of like starting off the appointment right, where like you don't want a hygienist to come in and like kick the whole op appointment off and blow the whole thing. You Here know? you go. Yeah, just like slam that. 27 long home just like all the way to bone and just start <laughs> pounding in there like kids losing it damn it but so tell me is she working or he she yeah full-time part-time part-time yep part-time hours part-time benefits um it's kind of just a per diem thing but we're starting on mondays oh nice because mondays like our school district districts around us have like mondays off is real mm. common so they do the four-day week so i'm going to start her mondays because that's usually a pretty busy like new patient and recall recare hygiene day yeah so we're gonna start there and if it goes well i might bump her up to two and she doesn't want any more than like two and a half three days um but i think that'll be about right because then i see i do so much ga that that'll kind of balance out the rest of it mm-hmm. but um you know i'm paying her quite a bit more but since there's no benefits because it's just part time yeah but it's just kind of like the going rate like in the world right now it's like hygienist demand a lot right now you know is she gonna bounce around columns or is she own her own column? i'm giving her one column so we're opening up a fifth um, a fifth chair that's Congrats. all it's all plumbed in I just yeah. haven't been able to really use it yet so and I still have enough downtime in my day like the schedule looks busy but I have enough like some Medicaid kids fall off or a family gets sick like I have gaps so 
I'm kind of over scheduling a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I'm seeing around like 40-ish kids a day, 35 to 40. And so I'm giving her her own column yeah. and just scheduling like, you know, older kids, teenage kids, like 12 and up um, and just doing like maybe eight patients to start. But then she could also bounce around to like run over and scale some of the other kids yeah. in the other columns. And so we might be slightly over scheduled for my comfort level. But then by the time some of the kids fail or fall off, like it should even out. And my math is like, you know, even like if you average a Medicaid recall, you know, you might get 80 bucks, 80 to maybe 100 bucks for the better ones with a pano or something. And then your private pay, 150 up to two, 200 bucks. So call it like 125. If she sees four kids a day, she's already paid for herself and like the overhead for like a few hygiene trays. And then everything past that is like, you know, you're just doing extra dentistry and getting more caught up. So. I feel like my break even is very obtainable. So nice. I'm gonna try it, yeah. So you're gonna work on the days you do GA? Uh, I thought about that, maybe eventually, but like if I could line up a few days where it's like a whole bunch of sealants or something, yeah, maybe, but um, I don't know. Do you, well, you don't, yeah, all your, I guess, uh, GA is like in a hospital, but I know guys that do that. If they do in-office GA, mm -hmm. they'll run out in between cases and do hygiene checks, but like I just get nervous that, you know, I just, I don't want my attention to get spread too thin on those GA days. like. You know, I don't know. Just... Well, we do general supervision in so, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Well, yeah, but continue. Go, like, so your yeah. hygienist works in your office when you're at the hospital? So older kids, well-behaved, we prescribe the x-rays. They come in. If there's any issues, then I'll call the family. But yeah, they come in. The hygienists work with these older kids that are well-behaved. No medically compromised patients. And they'll see patients throughout the day that we have OR cases. And, but they're not getting exams, they're just getting the, the prophy yeah. and the x-rays and fluoride, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, they have to see me six months within a year okay. of that appointment. So you don't really get, get an exam, like do, you don't bring them back to no. do the exam or anything, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so they're basically getting their whole six month recare type appointment, just not the exam component right. of it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And obviously lower... Carries risk yeah, kids, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, like if they're bombed, not bombed out, but, you know, soda drinking, like like on the watch part of your note, you're like, watch, like all interproximal, like DEJs, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, those are the worst when it's like, you know, those D, like those, um, yeah, those uh, high carries risk kids are coming in and it's like, you're like, God, please don't get worse. Please don't get worse. You don't want to have to start doing permanent class twos or whatever, but I, I, I did a heroic one, um, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but this last week I had a Medicaid kiddo, a 14 year old come in and teenager. She kind of snuck in cause she had some younger sibs, um, sweet girl. And they drive forever to see us from like, you know, way out in like North central Missouri, but she's 14 and mom doesn't have any teeth. And like her, you know, just like facials of everything are all like soft, white, chalky, like about where you blow on them. And it's just going to turn into like gross decay, you know? And, huge giant occlusal like decay on molars where like 19's abscess she's got she's crowded like her premolars have giant you know interproximals like she's a hot mess dumpster fire and i'm like well you're medicaid i'm like i don't really want to get involved and i started making a treatment plan i'm like i really should just find a health center to send her to but like her molars are past the point of like doing big composites on yeah. you know so she needs like stainless steel crowns or something so i sat there and i thought i'm like god if i don't do this nobody else is going to, and she's going to lose these teeth. So I turn, I look at mom and I'm like, here's the deal. I'm like, I'm going to cut you a break. Like I will do this for you, but it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be like four to six appointments. If you fail once, I'm going to have to refer you guys out and she won't be able to get this done. Like, does that, is, do you understand? She mom's like, yes, we will be there. Really appreciative. We went over all the hygiene stuff. Like yeah. I gave her all that. So like, 
and followed through? Uh, like or we we, first we just we just started. So oh, okay. like so her first appointment's in a few weeks. So oh, we'll nice. see. So like Good I'm hoping you, there's a happy ending to this one because most of these I've had four or five of these in the, this year. So I've referred them out, but she was like sweet girl. I'm like. I need to like not be lazy and like try this out. Like I'm not gonna really make any money doing it, but like I feel like I put the ball in her court. Like if they bail or don't show up, then yeah. like I can at least say that I we made an attempt. You know? Yeah, for so, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and it's be it's different if they have skin in the game and pay for some. I mean, as you know how it is. Like if you've mm -hmm. got insurance and parents are having to stroke a check or write a yeah. you know swipe a card every time they come in, they're gonna be on their kid to take care of these things, but. It gets hard, you know. It's 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 hard to motivate. Somebody. But are you going to see her on the schedule and be like, "Why did I?" Why? Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, if but if if I if I don't have like a family of six recalls or something going yeah. on where I've like got some downtime middle of the mm -hmm. day where it's a little slower, be like, sure, like or like a good time to schedule those patients. I need to get better at. It's like right before lunch, you know. So yeah. like your adult dentistry runs a little bit over. It's not like you're plugging up the rest of your day like prime spots and right. stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping like I can crown everything. I'm gonna extract 19. Like like I'm gonna get rid of four bicuspids. I showed it to my ortho friend. I'm like, do you give me the green light without having you see her? Like, does this make sense? You can tell she's class one crowded. Like, let's get the grossly decayed premolars out and like help. So we're just gonna like throw a hail mary and see what sticks. And I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll sleep better at least knowing that I tried. But it's like at least you set that expectation, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't do it. They're like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. No expectations. Right, right. So we'll see. I've had a couple. Dude, I had another um, another interesting one this uh, week on Tuesday. I did a knee to knee exam on a two year old, nice. and the um, uh, I was like looking. I usually chart tonsils and airway like at the yeah. end of the exam, and the kid's sitting there crying. So I have like twenty percent, you know, tonsil obstruction. And I'm looking. I see little black fibers sticking out back there. It looked like almost like silk sutures or something stuck back in yeah. there. And I was like, Mom, does your kid have like a you know, a, a tonsil procedure or GA or surgery recently or ENT stuff. She's like, no, he's never had any, like, um, or she never had any sort of surgeries before. So I'm, like, getting my mirror there and making her gag and looking, and there's these, like, black fibers sticking out everywhere. Well, it turns out this kid, mom said when she gets stressed or, like, bored, she chews on a nylon uh, hairbrush, like a black bristly hairbrush. And that was lost. And she's, like, yeah, chewed off, like, a bunch of them. And there was, like, five or six of these long, you know, you, like, you know what I'm talking yeah, about, the little wires, yeah. like, lodged around the tonsillar pillars like stuck back there Jeez. and so i ended up referring the kid to ent and i called the ent doc i'm like listen this is what's coming like i want updates on this one <laughs> and mom was like like luckily like kind of you know embarrassed and was like oh damn so she made an appointment like followed through so that was that's not something Wild. you see every day yeah. that's kind of a weird one yeah but you know it's like 90 percent of your day you do bread and butter stuff and you get those weird ones that you're just like nerd out about like that's yeah. pretty crazy yeah I barely know what a hairbrush looks like, but I get it. You don't have like a beard comb to like touch no, this up down no, here? No, no, It's like as you get older, you know, this hair goes away up here and it all just shifts down to your face, like that's your right. neck, neck beard and stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I had asked you um, earlier today, this, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of stuff on my docket, just like updates from, um, uh, you know, the conference and things. But um, when I got to talking with you and Tim, and then I've been thinking about this with other doctors and stuff recently too, about structuring some of these buyouts, like these practices that are growing and you're bringing in equity. Um, and there's like another group in St. Louis mm -hmm. I talked to another doctor about about this, but um, I was gonna pick your brain because I thought you'd be a good guy to answer this for me. But as far as like, you know, things are very cut and dry when you're a solo doc, solo office, like yeah. you've got overhead, you got bills to pay, you got your, your, you know, your direct expenses, then you got fixed expenses every month, plus setting money aside for taxes, debt service, and then like call it, um, 
capital improvements or you know capital expenditures. Capex, yeah. yeah, if you're going to be you know adding assets or things. Um, but you know, but if you it can feel like it gets complicated if you bring two cooks in the kitchen, you got a partnership, and maybe it's say all the partners are even up 50-50 or 30, 30, 30, 30 or whatever, yeah. right? You know, um, what are, tell, walk me through or just teach me a little bit about how some of that partnership division works. Like, you know, and I, maybe you know different models behind it, but I know like, like some doctor offices, like my dad was a pathologist, and their yeah. partnership of five doctors, after all the bills were paid, whatever money was left in the bank account minus mm-hmm. the safety margin, like that money just got divvied up five ways and everybody took their share. Yeah. But... Um, but like I know in dentistry, like that doesn't always work. If you got one guy that doesn't work as many days, doesn't work as hard, does less dentistry, you know, less production. Yeah. So like I feel like it could, you know, it could create bad blood if one guy works really hard and one guy doesn't, and then everybody's mm-hmm. sharing it equally. So like teach me a little bit more, I guess. Like I don't know how you guys do it in your office. With you'll have to update me like how many partners you have, and yeah. I know you guys have a lot of complicated like layers to your your corporate structures and stuff. But like how does how does What's a common way to make that work? Common way. Common way or maybe the way you guys do it? I don't think there's a common way. I think we were talking about this today. There's there's a lot of ways to do it, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of structures to ownership. And if you've seen one, then you've seen one, right? Mm-hmm. They're all different. So how we do it, well, there are ways, you know, you just mentioned that your father in the pathology office, yeah. yep. they took all the profits. Anything that was left over went to the doctors evenly. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, it just really depends. So how we do it, is that we pay anybody who produces. So if I go and work, yep. there's a percentage of collections that I get, right? So to your point earlier, you were talking about the concern of, okay, maybe this doctor doesn't produce as much. Yep. That's okay, right? So you'll get your production, but we also have it structured in another contract in our operating agreement based on your percentage of ownership. So we take 50% of profits, say it's 20% overall profit. Okay. We take 50% of that, Put it towards capital expenditures. Okay. New Panorex machine, new office, yeah. paying down debt, whatever it may be. Sure. And then we take the other 50% and we distribute that mm-hmm. based on how many shares or units that you have. Okay. Can't call it shares because it's a private company, right? It's oh, technically how... units. Okay. Yeah, okay. but when you say share, people understand that. Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that, but I've used that that term shares like interchangeably yeah, before. For sure. Okay. But technically, for being technical, like if you're privately, not a publicly traded company. It's technically a unit. A unit. Okay. Yeah. A unit. So um, do you guys have it structured in your paperwork where is it like... A hundred units, like each is a percentile, or you can do it like a thousand. You can kind of you can come make up it whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then and then a as a new owner comes in, it does dilute down, right? Because mm-hmm. you're adding more shares to the, so you give them a certain amount of shares. Yeah. But it's all based on your valuation. You can make as many shares as you want, mm-hmm. but it's all based on how what your company is valued at. Sure. So some most people are doing it now, like a multiple of EBITDA, right? right? So if, let's say I have a million dollars of EBITDA and you do a multiple of 10, given that we have systems and processes in place, then yep. our company is valued at $10 million. Yep. So then your, your shares, say there's 10,000 shares or a million shares or whatever that is, yep. the distribution of that based on your ownership mm-hmm. is outlined in the operating agreement. Okay. Are you constantly updating this operating agreement? Every the, year. Is it? Because like... A lot of times when you've explained these things to me, I think like, well, every time you add an office, you add a, an owner, like you're putting in more shares. Like it seems mm-hmm. like you almost have to like constantly have a lawyer like updating and creating new documents and everybody signing things. Like it sounds like a fair amount of 
legal, le like a, le a very active legal team, right? <laughs> Our lawyers love us. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's a nice little line item for legal fees. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, you know, I, I sometimes get nervous. Like sometimes I'll text my lawyer, you know, over like little <laughs> things and I'm just like, you know, the moment you, you call, he'll, and, and it'll never be like an answer text back. It's right. like, send me an email or let's talk on the phone on this date. And you're like, God, he's just going to start the clock. Yeah. And then, yeah. I don't even want to look my lawyers in the eye because I know they'll charge me. Yeah, right, so. right. Right. Hey, man, Merry Christmas. You get yeah. a bill in the mail like for 50 bucks or something. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah, Why? Me. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. I should get a lawyer on the podcast sometime and talk oh, that'd about it. That'd be awesome. It'd be cool. There's yeah. like an endless amount of legal questions. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, some of that stuff. I have lots of questions. For a lawyer, yeah. Yeah, can I be on that podcast? Yeah, yeah, I'd be involved <laughs> with that one. Yeah, I really only use mine for my... Um, Unless you're going to get charged. I don't want to be... No, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll all get a bill at the end of it or something. <laughs> yeah. My, um, I've, I use my lawyer the most for the um, uh, lease negotiation. Yeah. Which I don't yeah. know, like, I mean, do you guys still, with as many yeah. leases you're doing, still have an attorney mm -hmm. look at them, right? Yeah, yeah. same thing. And, and it's like, man, he, like, went through all 40 pages of it and, like, redlined everything, like, to the point where I'm like, did he just do that just to really extend this out? It feels like, that way, right? It feels <laughs> like it. And, like, half of it got thrown out. I'm like, man, this became a kind of an unnecessary process, but... But then, you know, in the big picture, things you look back, it ends up yeah. not being that big of a deal. Cover your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah just for make sure, because sure, we've had to go back to it a few times for some clarification. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sometimes I break it, because it says in there, like, line item, whatever, on page six, like, no pets allowed in the building, and sometimes I still smuggle my black lab in, like, on certain <laughs> days. I hide her in the office, and all the assistants come in and pet her or something. It's That's cute. awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's good. Did that answer your question? I think so. So, basically, you're saying... Like clear the, as mud. Yeah, well, like so, I understand you basically have to um, factor in and multiply it by their percentage of ownership. Mm -hmm. But is it still like the profits that you have are all divvied up equally? But then times that, like I feel like there's two layers to dividing it up. Like you almost need to make an example. But say, let's really simplify it and say you've got, you know, three partners. One owns 50% of the company and then two own 25. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's like $100,000 in profit left yeah. over at the end of a month. And, you know, um, but, but they obviously all three, maybe like the guy that owns 50% does more admin stuff and didn't only work five or six days mm -hmm. that month. And the other guys worked more. So do you do, you know, that $100,000 in profit, do you take that times? Like to me, the way that makes the most sense is you take that 100,000 and weight it by the collection that they all did for the month. No, no, no. So it's two different contracts. So again, it's it's you have your employment contract, right? Mm -hmm. So you work as much as you work, you produce, you get that collection amount. So the profits, say you're hundred thousand oh, dollars. Okay. Yeah. Say you're hundred thousand dollars. Okay. We do it over a quarter. So say three hundred thousand dollars, right? Okay. Say I own fifty percent of that. Yep. We're still gonna take. 50% of that $300,000 in our structure. So 150,000 of that will go set towards, aside, yep. yep, we'll set it aside. Okay. It'll go towards a new office, um, new equipment, anything like that. Then the other 150 will be split evenly based on your ownership percentage. Okay, I, okay. now, okay. now, now yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. So basically like if you're an owner and you're trying to figure out like how much money am I gonna have to pay all my personal bills at yeah. home? Like if I did, if I produce, you know, and or if I, collected $80,000 worth of dentistry this mm -hmm. month or whatever, like in my, my op, you know, what do you call it, working agreement or whatever, yeah, operating, yeah, operating agreement, yeah, yeah. like, okay, I get 35% or 30%, right. like, 
of percentage of that I take home and I know that that's like my consistent yep. money. So that's there. So you get then, two paychecks. Right. Then you get that quarterly bonus of the yep. profits left over minus the op, um, capital expenditures. Yeah. yeah okay. But that's Makes how we do it in our sense. group. Yeah. Somebody but else. It's it going to be totally completely yeah, different. Totally okay. different. Yeah. I've been trying to learn more. These are things I know you know with like the MBA, but like, you know, I do some like investing retirement stuff and I like learning more about like how to read some of these financial statements. Yeah. And there's a lot like it gets complicated and I've kind of got it down now, but like different ways to put valuations on companies. And dentists, it's weird. It seems like dentists do everything so different because with us, it's like production and collection and overhead. And like, yeah. if you know those numbers, it's like dentists all think that they're like whizzes, but there's things like free cash flow, mm -hmm. like in the real world of business, it's yeah. like nobody talks about like collections. It, like it's it's like free cash flow and like how do you calculate that? Like you're, you know, that's like you go back to the bottom line of your profit and loss and then you start factoring in your capital expenditures to calculate the key free mm -hmm. cash flow. But it's weird, like dentistry just doesn't seem to operate on the same like financial parameters, at least at like at a dentist level, but maybe we can get to the big corporate levels mm -hmm. and you get guys with MBAs in there, they start to think about like, some of these metrics different, but you know, like your average Joe Schmo dentist, like they know what they collect and like roughly what their overhead is. And yeah. then that's, that's about it. Like not really knowing like how to look at those numbers, I guess. Well, even as a big, it's a way to do apples to apples yes. for companies, right? Yep. To yep. your point, yeah. we could have the same amount in collections, but your overhead could be 70%, mine could be 50%. Right. Totally different valuation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Which is interesting, like on, on uh, Dentaltown or when people are trying to value offices, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, okay, cookie cutter answer. What what should my practice be worth? And people be like, uh, 70 to 80% of, of your collections is norm, but it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, one guy, one guy should be like, you know, one guy buys everything under the sun and makes no money and the other office is lean and mean. Like, it's a, it seems like a terrible way. It just reflects like how, like the, if that's the norm, the way that dentists value practices, like that's a major problem. And how know? did we get there? How did we get to yes. 70 or 80%, yeah, right? Yeah, like this arbitrary number, like it, yeah, <laughs> clearly like we've been misguided at some point in time. So did GV Black just pull a number out of that number? Like, yeah, right, yeah. We're going to do 80%, guys. Yeah, come on. Like, okay, class one prep, here we, okay, yeah, 80%, yeah. So yeah, that's it's it's interesting, but it just kind of highlights that there's a lot of um, there's a lot to learn. I feel like dentists just have a lot to learn in general about running businesses. But I don't know. I like that it's kind of cool to talk to guys like yourself that like have a good background in like general business principles. Like I've, I would love to get an M like at some point in life I would love to take like night classes to get an MBA. Not because it maybe would really help me that much, but I just like I'm. It's fascinating to like learn it's almost like another language how to read some of these financial statements and like general accounting principles and things yeah. and like i try to listen to a lot of podcasts on it and then apply those things to my practice but it's it's, it's like a good exercise it is yeah and you meet people from other industries and see their perspective on it and you're like how can i apply that to my industry yes yeah that was the most i mean having the letters behind my name sure that's cool, great yeah but the exercise itself it's, it's neat. Did you, um, when you got your, did you do it as a night class or did you do an extension at, at like when you were, a, a, remind me when you got yours or how you went. So I that. started before I even went to dental school, I started getting my MBA before I even knew I wanted to be a dentist. And okay. then I finished right after residency. Gotcha. Yeah. What did it take, like two years to get that? Yeah. About yeah. that. And fun fact, what do you think of the beer, by the way? Oh, uh, it's tasty. And like, I like the color. It's like. You know, like when you haven't, you ever get like, I don't know about a hazy IPA, but like, yeah. a, like a, you get an IPA and you get it in the glass and it's like clear and it's like, that's not what an IPA looks like. It's supposed to look like pulpy orange juice. Yeah. Like I like right. that thick, like, yeah. 
that's what it looks like. But it's good. It's tasty. Nice. Which uh, if it. we're gonna go on, if we're gonna dabble in one more, we're gonna do this one because you like sours. I do like sours. This is OG sour territory. I mean, these guys were doing sours. Aged in a Chardonnay barrel. Yeah. The bourbon barrel stuff weirds me out. Like it's, I don't. I noticed that. You know about what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like one of the few beers. Like I put it down on my list of like what I jump to. Yeah. I just like keeping my whiskey here, my craft beer here. But I really <laughs> like like a sour and like an oak barrel. Yeah. I really like. So it's. I don't know if it's just the. You'll like that. You like it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I don't know. So okay. So I asked you that. I'm trying to think what other like weird business things I've run across that I, I could ask you lately, but I feel like right now it's just like, well, what, what, why was your interest in like structure and ownership? Um, it was because I had this conversation with a, another group, um, in the St. Louis area and they've like gone through some turnover, like picking up Dennis and, um, you know, like, like, and I just got to thinking about how, you know, we weren't having that in depth of a discussion, but yeah. at home I was thinking about it later, like, okay, this partner, you know, retired, so we had to buy this partner out, and then this partner left, but then was offered, you know, units in this, and it just like I started thinking about. It, I'm like, glad God, I know that what practice so... you're talking about. Oh, I'm now. sure you do, and and it was none of it was bad. It kidding. just was like trying to keep. Well, I mean, St. Louis is you know a small, yeah, small, yeah. but I just I'm just like man, trying to like um, shift, like uh, make your way through all that just seems very complicated. And then I keep going back, like I start thinking about. It, I'm like. This is why I like being my own, like, a, the only cook in the kitchen. I got my one roof, and I'm all in there by myself. But, like, you know, when you get to the point where you have to expand and you bring yeah. in more people, like, you just have to figure it out, I think, eventually. But um, I mean, it complicates a lot of things. But yeah. it's a nice way for our associates to eventually become owners if they want to. How many uh, owners in, the, in your guys' company are at right now? Three. Three? Mm-hmm. Of the pedo side of things, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because so. you've got it, like, worked. Because when we did this podcast last time, when we start talking about this, like we had talked for too long and it cut out, and then like multiple people, it, like and it, we missed this part of that. And people text me. Like, people were asking me like, "What were you gonna say there?" I got like three <laughs> or four messages, so so we might have to revisit that. But I think that part was we were talking about like, you know, the way you structured in your office for new associates that you bring in. Yeah, there's like a fairly clear, like transparent track mm-hmm. to ownership, and you have to refresh my memory. Like, how does that work in your office? Yeah, good question. So two years. But there's clear, condi- we have outlined clear conditions of satisfaction, mm-hmm. meaning, sure, you can come and be an associate, just work, clock in, clock out, mm-hmm. or you can come, be a leader in that office, meet these, go to meetings. Um, there's various things on there that you have to do because okay. we don't want owners that are just going to clock in, clock out, right? Because right. to your point earlier, what about the guy that's not carrying all his weight? Sure, right. Right? Bump on the log. Yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. So. We want people that are committed to the growth of the organization. So having those outlined conditions of satisfaction lets them know, okay, if I do these things, then I have a two-year window where I can start buying in. Okay, makes sense. And then is there like a a vote at all? Like if you're going to bring in this fourth partner, say, you guys like the other owners get together and say, you know, I mean, obviously it's a two-year thing, so there's plenty of time, but like you guys get to have that Mm -hmm. discussion, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. different classification of units, too. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, Class A or Class B. Oh. Yeah, it really complicates things, Damn. right? Okay. So you can have, like, voting shares or units, mm-hmm. or you can have non-voting shares or units of ownership. So wow. basically, if you have non-voting, you still get the benefits of finan- the financial benefits, mm-hmm. but you may not get a vote on certain Some items. Issues. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that way, like, is it something structured where... Do you try to even, like, for voting, like, 
know how to even ask this question, but like with uh, voting shares, do you try to keep it fairly consistent? Or if you have like, you know, if everybody's got, if there's four part, for part, excuse me, four partners, it's 25, 25, 25, like, you know, it could kind of, you could get some stalemates and stuff, but it, you know, do the guys that are around longer, guys such as yourself that were kind of more founders in the business, mm -hmm. like tend to retain higher degree, like higher percentages of like yeah, voting Yeah, so shares, it's not right? like even votes, right? For, right you, yeah. Your weight in votes is based on how many units you own. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I was trying to ask, so yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Clear as mud? Yeah, clear as mud, but it makes sense. I mean, it's, I feel like this stuff isn't like that difficult to figure out. It's just kind of foreign concepts to me that like. And again, you can do it. So with. I know of uh, organizations where they, they don't keep any capital expenditures. Mm -hmm. They just take all the profits. And divvy it out. And divvy it out. But yeah. when they need a Panerex machine, they have to put back in their yeah. even amount. So if a Panerex costs let's just for even numbers, $100,000. If you own 50%, you have to put $50,000 to buy that Panerex. Sure. Which is sense. why we structured it our yeah. way. So we know how much we have to spend. It's uh, like, you know, it kind of goes back. I'm gonna back open to, this. Please do, yeah. go for it. I'm, I'm empty, I'm ready for ready for this other one. My wife Jenna's sitting here giving me a look like, babe. She's giving me a look too. Saying, you gotta catch a flight in seven hours. <laughs> it's fine, I'll nap. Plus, we gained two hours going back to yeah, Missouri time. Yeah, totally so we're fine. good, yeah. But, um, yeah, I was, like, I was listening to a podcast, like, on free cash flow and, like, the principles behind that. You know, like, a lot of publicly traded companies, you know, when you eval their, um, you know, their statement of cash flow or, like, some of their financial statements, like, cash, free cash flow is, like, a big one that you look at because mm -hmm. that tells you a lot about a company. But the guy was explaining, you know, if you, when you're looking at a business and to your, you can apply it to a dental office, right? If you calculate your business's free cash flow, you know, there's, that's like free money that you can do things with. And there's only a certain number of things you can do. You can either, you know, pay down debt or you can buy back shares or you can issue dividends. You know, there's just like that small handful of things. Yeah. Um, but then you start, but it accounts for, you know, capital expenditure. I guess it's kind of similar to an EBITDA, but that's EBITDA's, you know, there's like different accounting principles yeah. to doing things, but EBITDA kind of falls more in that profit and loss side of things where, you know, cash flow, like it's kind of two different ways to look at it. But um, I guess ultimately what I'm trying to say is like, I'm, it's interesting using those like prints, those um, financial evaluations that other private companies use and try to do that math on your own practice in your head. Like, hmm, if I was going to calculate my office's free cash flow, would that like look good on paper? Like, am I doing things right? or like what I need to improve. It absolutely yeah. look good on paper. I think so, but yeah. we, you know, we're also in a profession where like if you know what you're doing, you could have like well over a 50% profit margin, which is like not the norm like in a restaurant industry. Right. You know, I guess like tech is the exception, but that's why like a lot of dentists can not have a clue what they're doing mm -hmm. and still like make it because there's so that's much so cushion, crazy. you know, which is weird, you know. So like weird. if if you plop, plunked a bunch of dentists down into like uh, you know, the fast food industry, they'd all just sink like rocks oh. because, you know, you're operating on like a 6% profit margin or something. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? We just are all, you know, we're blessed to work in this industry and everybody thinks they're like financial geniuses because yeah. they can like, you know, operate like a seven figure business. But, but there's a difference between doing that and like doing it well and having yeah. good systems in place, which I'm also quickly figuring it out too. I'm sure you talk to a lot of people and I do this too. And I'm finding more and more, it's like, we just, as as dentists, we don't, we have no clue. Yeah. A lot of us. Yeah. And I, so have you listened to the podcast with Chip Fitchner? He was the, the, um, the large practice sale, like the DSO, uh, bitter guy that he no. was on a few uh -uh. weeks ago. 
You have on to your podcast? To, yeah, on my podcast, oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm catching up. Yeah, no, you're good, you're good, you're fine. Um, one of the guys, you might even get his flyers in the mail. He sends these flyers out, LP, LPS, Large okay. Practice Sales. He got a picture of him, and he, he talks about, you know, his job is his company takes practices, mm-hmm. bids them out to different DSOs, tries to get the highest multiple by bidding them against each yeah. other. And so he's, you know, he cold calls, sends those letters to offices. Well, I get his newsletters all the time and reading it. Like, I got to get him on the podcast. But um, it was a really, really good discussion. But one of the last things we talked about was, like, we were talking. I asked him, I'm like, this infiltration of, like, private equity and IDSOs and DSOs, like, into the marketplace, yeah. like, is that due to us as dentists not being great business owners historically where we just kind of, like, fixed teeth and kind of half-assed the business side of things and then like there's just so much meat left on the bone that like dso's are just like wow these dentists don't have a clue like they don't know their numbers they don't know their systems their overheads high like we can come in and do it better so like we have no one to blame but ourselves but he kind of somewhat interrupted and was like hold on like his argument was he thought you know made the argument that he thought corporate like dso's and corporate influence will do better dentistry because they have more bigger pockets and more money to invest in better technologies and all these things. And I, I didn't really push him on it, but I don't know if I totally agreed with that just from the standpoint of I haven't found dentists nor patients that like will say, I love the, you know, like, like, yeah. you know, they've got high turnover of associates. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of dentists that didn't stay with their DSO that they're working for like yeah. more than a year or two. And like, I know a lot of parents get frustrated by having a new, you know, like constantly going through. So like maybe they can afford some newer technologies, but like I also think that if, if I was a parent and I was looking to take my kids somewhere, I think they would have a better relationship with that dentist and better care at like an independent privately owned office yeah, versus a Absolutely. Yeah, I've been rambling at this point, you know. No, so, no, but, no, but, it's know, great. I mean, it's yeah. good content. But so yeah, I don't know. I just, ultimately what I'm trying to say is I, I, my argument was like dentists have nobody to blame but themselves for like this corporate influence because we have just historically not been great business owners yeah we just show up and fix teeth and kind of just try to figure out and the have rest done of well life. doing it and have been able to do okay yeah but you know over time it's like like i don't know insurance squeezes us out and inflation and our prices stay fixed like that's what worries me i don't yeah. know if you ever think about these things oh all the time right because like all of our our whole business model is based on getting reimbursed by insurance companies that yeah. like never raise our fees right i don't know i might try this year at the end of the year i'm like i'm gonna try to like i haven't raised my fees or anything but i know oh, a lot of dentists that I mean, I was, I was like in the higher percentiles, like that 90, 90, 90 okay. plus, yeah. you know, where I'm just like, I don't need to raise it all the time. But like with inflation, everything, like I know some dentists that every year, like just bump at 5%, 5%, you know, just yeah. constantly or, and you know, get really high. But um, I need to like pay and do like the whole, like the surveyed fee structure, like mm-hmm. really, because you know, sometimes you're not making it up, but you just look and see like, hey, what do you charge for this? You know, ask different dentists, and you kind of come up with the price, but like it's hard to be really scientific about it. I mean, I don't know if you, like, you probably spend more. I should be asking you this question. Like, how do you determine your fee structure and how often do you review it? So we use a third-party company that analyzes in, within our zip code what the, the fee So what's the median? What's the mean? What's the 60th percentile? What's the 90th percentile? Yeah, okay. And then they recommend a fee schedule from there. Okay. It works okay. You like doing it that way, I yeah. guess? It's uh, not like an out, I mean, it can't be like crazy outrageous fees for them. To, no, no. no. And you could do it yourself. You could take your top 20 codes and plug them in mm-hmm. to, I forget, like consumer yeah, guide, whatever like it is. Yeah. Get, yeah. And so you can compare in your location, your zip mm-hmm. code, what mm-hmm. that code, how much people are typically charging. 
Yeah. Have you um have you had any luck like negotiating fees or like getting So that third party company negotiates our fees. Does that too? Yeah, and we do about ninety percent UCR. Dude. Except for Delta. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's been nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Do um what's the one uh, real popular um PPO what's the one There's, Profits for PP, PPO profits? Is that a, um, oh my gosh, everybody's gonna be screaming at it. There's a company that's like really well known for negotiating with like insurance companies and we stuff. We use PPO advice. Unlock the PPO, that's unlock the, the PPO, unlock, yeah. yeah. So um are you like involved with like the umbrella, uh, like yeah. you know, like they kind of do yeah. that whole and thing? And the stacking of the insurance. Yeah, yeah. And all that. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't overwhelm my team with that. Yeah. There's no point. We just pay them, them to do it. Yeah. yeah. And and so you know, I don't really mess with any of that because I'm out of network except for Delta. Yeah. And Medicaid. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, the trade-off is I don't have as many of those, you know, oddball insurance companies because yeah. uh, Delta's like the big player by us. But. Um, you know, so so you get like pretty close to UCR on some of those. Uh, yeah, like about ninety percent on 90 most outside of Delta. Yeah, outside of Delta. Yeah, and it's funny, like it's weird, like in the out of network side of things, like some of them will pay like you know without any of these third party yeah. umbrella contracts, like you know just as an out of network provider, you'll have like three hundred bucks for a new patient exam, cleaning, probe, fluoride, X ray, all that, and you'll, and you'll get like two hundred and eighty ninety eight dollars, and there's like a two dollar copay or something, <laughs> right. and you're like, wow, that's like amazing. But then once in a while, you'll get one that doesn't pay very well. So like our team's getting progressively better about yeah. like knowing and identifying those. But um, you're just like, man, if I could just fill up my office full of those patients that just like. Like wherever that person's working at that has that awesome insurance, I want to go to that employer and just like gobble up hey, all those patients. Like, hey, you guys all come here. hang out with us, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, wow, it's like that one patient was like worth three Medicaid kiddos that I see. Helps pay a lot of the bills and yeah. stuff, you know. But I don't know. There's days I wonder like should I be more contracted with insurance companies and play the games? But like, you know, I mean, we stay pretty busy as is. And like our breakdown of, you know, we're like, probably like 35% straight Medicaid and another 10% like dual insured Medicaid where we yeah. still can submit like, you know, they might have like a Cigna as a primary and secondary. So like you can still get like pretty high like recall, you know, like recare appointment fees off of that. And then like 30, 40, 30% Delta and then the rest like out of network or cash. So it's like a fairly like nice, broad, diverse blend. So I don't know, some days like if it's like a day where it all falls apart, I'm like, damn, should I be seeing more like, you know, be contracted with more insurance company stuff. But like, I've also grown fast enough. Like there's, I probably don't need to, I don't know. You're taking care of those kids that need it too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a trade off. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Is there ever, I mean, are, are you, do you think like you'll ever reach a point where, I mean, eventually you reach capacity, you either cut back insurance or you open more practices and expand. And, yeah. and it's pretty obvious that you've gone the second way of like expanding, <laughs> right? as an obvious one, but like, would you ever see yourself, like, would there ever be a situation that you would like thin down some of your crummy insurances at some point or? I can't see it in the near term. Not in the near term, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you, you 35% Medicaid, you said? Roughly, yeah, yeah, if you count dual insurance, it's like 40, 45. Okay. Yeah. So what's your overhead? Like 29% or something, okay. it's really, really low. Yeah. yeah. But I like do everything myself, so it's like, you know, like my payroll's like a humongous percentage of it. My payroll, yeah. my rent, and I've got some supplies, but like I don't really have a marketing budget. Yeah. I don't really have, a, you know, like office supplies is low. Like I just don't have that much stuff to spend money on because I do so much of it myself. Yeah, you built that website. Beautiful. I, I, yeah, but like I walked past a booth today and some like super smart, like nerdy tech guys like 
hey, I, I do websites. And he like pulled up my website. He's like, you could do this better. And like this, we could get to look nicer. And he's like, and here for <laughs> the show, the show special, like for just $3,600, we'll overhaul it all. I'm like, it's $3,600. Like my website looks fine. Like the good people of Troy see my face. Everything's there. They've got my contact, my link to Facebook. Like it looks fine and it costs me nothing. It's like it's made. I made it myself. And I know how to edit it. Like, so like that's just like one example of how yeah. I keep my overhead low. But I don't know. I like having the low overhead. It's it's nice, but um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you asked that question like related to the insurance side. I guess is it just because like I was just curious yeah. since you take so much Medicaid. I was yeah. I, I don't I don't take the Medicaid you know from the fine. I mean I I can be, not, I can yeah. be profitable doing it because my I, I run a lean office yeah, right. So like sure. you know even if they pay forty cents on the dollar like I do so much of it and I'm fast at it and my overhead's low like if I had a 70% overhead yeah. then for sure I'd be losing money on every kid but for like sure. you know but we don't like you know I'm able to like make profit and that's like a huge demand and like my sedation days stay super busy like I do a ton of sedation so like it's mutually beneficial like I get to help the kids out that like nobody else in the area is capable yeah. of doing so it's a, like it's a win-win for everybody but like if somebody came out like a governor or something or some governing body came out was like we're gonna raise all of our Medicaid reimbursements by five percent. I would like have a party because it would be amazing. Because that would make a huge. I'd be at that difference. party. You would come be, to that yeah, party. Yeah, I would invite be, you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, and you. I know you see some. It's just like a little bit more like controlled chaos in the way that you do it versus yeah. I, like we've cut back a lot. Like we don't do pretty much no teenage new teenage patients, and yeah. like you know we we send a lot of our Medicaid referrals back. We fix them up and send them back. So like we'll hold on to some of the better families that are like live in our county and stuff. Yeah. But um, it's always a line to walk, as you know. For sure. Yeah. And you can, tell me about, like, the way you do your... This is good beer, by the way, too. Thanks. Just a little bit more. Um, tell me more about, like... Remind me how you do Medicaid in your office. You guys have more of, like, not a quota, but, like, you know, certain criteria. And you kind of have, like, a restrictions and certain numbers just to kind of keep things in check, right? Yeah. Well, we implemented... Well, so we started accepting Medicaid after we were busy. Mm-hmm. Opposite of what you did, right? right, right. You, you accepted right out of the gate. So right. made sense for you. So we... To limit the amount of patients, because um, we're just so busy already, Right. is six and under new patients. We won't take anybody seven or older as a new patient. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see five patients per day. But my team, if there's holes in the schedule, they'll start calling those ASAP oh, yeah. patients yeah. and then filling that, that schedule that way. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a good way to do it. I've, I've, I need to get better about the short list. I don't know. I, I've given my front desk, like the girls up front, Nikki and Randy, like a ton of autonomy. And they do a really nice job with the schedule. Like for a while, I tried micromanaging. Like, hey, yeah. like there's a gap. Why don't you like try calling and doing this and that? But like they are already so far 10 steps ahead of me. Yeah. And they like, you know, they're like, well... I'm like, why didn't we put this person here? Well, I know that mom and she sucks, and I promise you she's not going to come. Like, they just know so much more about the schedule than Wait, I do. Wait, a mom in your office sucks? Sucks. Yeah, there are a few of them, believe it or not. But, yeah, I just, like, I let them do the schedule. And, you know, most days are awesome, but no matter what you do, and I've learned this, like, over time, things, something you already know, but it's like, no matter what you do, there's still some days that fall apart. And yeah. There's, like, oh, yeah. And they get frustrated. Or you're like, oh, man, it's, like, a good day. We got, like eight, whatever, a ton, a thousand, how many thousand dollars on the schedule today? And then like a big family falls off and a, an op gets sick. And then like a couple kids no show. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like thousands of dollars fall off your schedule. And you're just like, damn it. Like, you know, I went from a good day to a crummy day. But, like sometimes I wonder for my own mental health, like I almost shouldn't even put the goals up on there. You know, the goals are nice to try yeah. to encourage you to do more same day and 
keep you fired up to try and reach these numbers you want to get to. Yeah. But then it also stresses you out if you get those bad days where things fall apart too, you know. What kind of goals are you putting up? Um, you know, on a normal like um, a normal clinic day, I kind of tear it, you know, it's like my bare bare ass minimum is like a $5,000 day is like that's the kind of day that I need to like pay all my bills and pay myself and kind of reach goals and that's good. Like but I really am kind of crabby if that's the type of day we have. Like I try to get closer to like a seven, seven-ish, like six yeah. to seven thousand some odd day is like a good, like a normal, good, productive day. I'm usually moving. And then a, like a better day will be like 8,000 plus, like eight up to 10 or something, um, which like I get a fair amount of. Um, but those are always good days. And then GA days are usually like that or sometimes even more. Nice. Um, but those are, you know, I kind of, I, I weigh those separately. I have a whole separate column, as I'm sure you do, for sedation days versus mm -hmm. clinic days and stuff. But it's like, you know, like anything else, you get really low, like, you know, um, standard deviations way down this way, and you get yeah. some that come this way, but you have really good and really bad days. And no matter what you do, it's hard psychologically to process those bad days because you're just like, I should have been an associate or something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> right. But I don't know if you, if you're, mindset thinks the same way that I do as I'm spilling my guts on these things but that's how like my my little childish brain processes these on some of those bad well, days. I like being busy yeah so definitely those days fall apart I'm like what do I do with my time now yeah yeah so I like I try to you know it's like I can study boards but I sometimes have a hard time keeping my team busy too you know there's I encourage them to clean and there's things like hey you guys are these things stocked do you mind making more GA folders they find a lot of things to do on yeah. their own but like at some point you know if you've got like <clears throat> You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but like if a big family comes in and like they get done really early or like, you know, maybe a family fails and your op goes really well and you don't need the full hour or whatever, like there might be a half hour where people are just kind of sitting around chilling and like I try not to micromanage those times because like most other businesses in the world, there's downtime and people just chill and it's part of yeah. it. So like, but I also don't want to burn out staff being in kind of a jerk boss that comes out and like you know, tells them to do things. You know, I try to keep them self-motivated and most of them are good at staying busy, but like I sometimes have struggle with that a little bit. Like what, you know, I don't want to make them do stuff just to feel like I give them a reason to get paid and micromanage and yeah. be difficult. So do I you mean, have a list of things they do when they're, when I, they're I don't busy? have a, I don't have a solid physical list, but they usually are so independent. I mean, they like, know like everything's stock like there's very rare when I'm like out working and something hasn't been done. I'm like, why did nobody like, um, you know, stock this unit? Like everything's usually stocked and yeah. the toy box is full and this yeah. is, it's more so like, I'll be out like, hey guys, like there's sticky stuff in the sink. Can you like clean that for me? Yeah. But it's just because I think like I have, I'm not overstaffed, but I've got like a healthy amount of staff for like, yeah. you know, we can stay on top of those really busy days. Right. Um, but like if we have days that kind of fall apart a little bit, which happens when you see some Medicaid, yeah. you know, like we'll have downtime. So that's why I'm hoping this extra column, you know, like if I can really fill up that extra column, I'm hoping I can like, like over schedule mm -hmm. so that like if everybody shows up, it'll be crazy. But like if I have some fails, like there's not a lot of downtime. People still have things to do, like yeah. taking x-rays, cleaning, turning over. Your team wants notes. to be busy too. I'm sure they do. Yeah. 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 I just like, I'd, I'd love to know if other offices struggle with that, but I'm sure other offices like maybe don't, you know, some offices work at a crazy pace and some work really chill. And I try to, you know, like, I'm sure there's plenty of offices where like half the staff just chills and the doctor reads the paper in between patients and hangs out. <laughs> candy crush. In the, yeah, in the playing back. candy crush. Yeah. But no, I'm not, not quite there. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, could I flip any of these questions around on you as far as like, uh, I don't know, like, do you have days that like, you know, I guess it's so different because like my office is like, I'm not, I don't keep a lot of capital expenditures aside. I keep a small amount for, mm -hmm. you know, paying off debt, but I also get penalized if I pay off my, my practice loan. You know, there's prepayment oh, really? penalties. Okay. Yeah, it was like built into my, my loan. So can't really do much money there, but you know, it's like, you obviously reinvest a lot and like are growing. So your overhead is going to be higher because there's more with marketing. There's mm -hmm. more money going back in and stuff. But, you know, is there like, I guess in general, like a benchmark overhead that you feel like a healthy practice, you know, should be at for like, um, you know, for just like a general, maybe not your office specifically, yeah. but like if you're looking at other pediatric dentists, like, you know, knowing the industry norms, like 60% or something yeah. like 60, 65, like, is there in your head, like, I feel like a healthy pedo office can easily obtain this degree of overhead. I think 50 to 60 is pretty standard. That's pretty what standard. we run in our offices. I About mean, we there. run 50 to 60. That's not including doctor comp. Right, for sure. Um, but or taxes or anything yeah, like that. But yeah, but our profits are usually, as an organization, are mm -hmm. 15 to 20%. 15 to 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when you account for, like, doctor yeah. and backs. Doctor comp, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I finally got a gra better grasp of, like, the EBITDA game and like how that's calculated. I can kind of do it in my head now when it just like, I don't, it's really not that complicated, but when it's a new concept, it takes a while to like, what does that mean? Like if you ask a resident, pedo resident, you pulled like 400 of them graduating, like I bet about two of them know how to actually like come up with an EBITDA number oh, yeah. getting out. Yeah. like, what? Yeah. You go back, <laughs> Where you, try do I to, put that in the mouth? you try to lecture them and tell them about <laughs> it and they're just like, bro, I'm just trying to like, like pass my written boards right now. Like don't come exactly. at me with that. Yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. We don't talk about it, but I know, but we, we should, we try, but it's like, you know, your head's just in a different place when you're a resident at that yeah. point, you know? Yeah. So, but for that, at that point, like I had a lot of residents come up to me over the nice. last couple of days. I bet I've had 20 plus people come up at the conference or at the thing last night that have come and said, said hi. And a good chunk of them are residents or like yeah. people interested. Like one guy came up, um, and was just telling me about his startup that he did. And, you know, he, some people that like weren't going to do startups started a startup process because they listened to the podcast, which like kind of scares me because it's like, oh shit, I got some, like a little bit of influence here. I got to like make sure I don't. <laughs> Am I people. putting good? Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to like steer somebody down the road to like bankruptcy or something. But, um, but that's cool to like. We'll get them back on track. Yeah. We'll get them, we'll get them straight now. You know, it's funny. Somebody came up to me because they heard me through, they're like, were you on Casey Getz's podcast? Really? Like, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I've had some like associate connections, like people listening were like, oh, this guy like practices in Washington. Like I've been wanting to go back there and then I'll, I'll give them contact info. And yeah. honestly, like 90% of them just want like access to like the secret Facebook groups that like, you know, there's like all those startup groups on Facebook yeah. that you have yeah. to like be invited into. Right. So I've like become like the gatekeeper, I feel like to those. <laughs> like, I listen to your podcast. Hold the keys. Can be, huh? yeah, yeah. Can I be a part of that group? It's like, all right, fine. I'll like let you in. But. Yeah, I, th I think sometimes, you know, as we kind of wrap up and stuff, like, at least we're doing all this stuff in the era of technology where, like, if I have a question, you know, besides asking somebody like you, like, what's this typical overhead or X, Y, Z, like, you know, I don't know what you would do if it was 1995 and you had that question. Like, now I can hop on a podcast, I can get on Facebook on one of these closed groups, and I can just search it, and in five minutes you have an answer. Right. Whereas, like, when our mentors were starting up, like, I don't know how they got any of that information. You know, calling people and getting secondhand or just making it up on the fly, like yeah, nothing I digital. Uh, yeah, like how did they operate without the internet? Like that's a dark, like dark ages, you know. Yeah, that's like a two-day conversation. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing anything got done, but you know, 
You should invite somebody older on the podcast. I should. I, I, I enjoy those. Actually, I have good feedback when I have Dennis on that have been at the game for like 15, 20, 25 yeah. years because they have different perspectives. But I have, um, I want to get my old boss on the podcast who's retiring, my old associate boss, and do it like, you know, reflections from a dentist who's retiring because he's retiring like, you know, just on his career and profession. But it is cool getting perspectives from the guys that have seen the profession evolve over the last 20, 30 years or yeah. whatever doing all that it's cool to pick their brains so there's a few guys that listen that have been at this for a while so that's kind of it's not just like residents and like 30 some year olds there's some guys that you know guys and gals a little bit older that think it's cool too so that's neat. yeah that's yeah. awesome well Corey, i'm gonna slam the rest of this and then i told jenna i'd keep it to like i told her shorter and we're already at 55 minutes sorry jenna yeah it was great been, seeing you guys yeah this was fun yeah we're gonna it's cool that we got to do this like Remotely in San we live, Diego. What, and it's 25 home. minutes from each other. Yeah, now but we have to fly for, you know, to San Diego to do this. To do this in person. I will do it in San Diego next time, too. Well, I'm trying to put together a podcast studio in our new house. Oh, nice. Like put some gear heads up and make it like a little man cave. So, I'm there. So I'll get you out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I'll bring the beer. Yeah, you got it. All right. Thanks, Corey, for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, actually, if, uh, again, if somebody wants to get in touch, wants to come back, talk to you about practice opening, what's your contact info? Texting's the best. Uh, my cell phone number is 314-496-3562. Sounds good. I had to put that plug in at the oh, end. We're good. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Brews and Tiny Teeth podcast. Be sure to DM our host, Casey Getz, on social media with any listener questions, comments, or tough clinical situations. We'll see you next week for another unfiltered episode.